And a good Tuesday afternoon to you. Welcome on in. It is lunch with Claves and Joe here on ClavesOnline.com, the Facebook, Twitter page, also available on YouTube. I am Joe Roderick. I, I am in, uh, well, the snow-covered uh, snow covered ground here in Belleville, Illinois, as the clean-shaven Mike Claiborne joins us from sunny Jupiter, Florida. What's going on, Claves? Well, I'm finally here. Um, it was an adventure. I set a, I set a record getting to Nashville. Uh, I got to Nashville in just under four hours and sat in traffic for an hour and 41 minutes because of an accident. Uh, got through Atlanta with no problem and ran into some incredible fog last night in Florida uh, down the turnpike. And it was a uh, it was a little dicey there for a minute, but other than that, everything is good. It's 78 degrees here. It's sunny. Uh, I'm still in the process of unpacking. Uh, you know, it's amazing when you drive 1,300 miles, all the things you can do. You can listen to a book. You can catch up on you're catching up with people you haven't talked to in a while. Um, you have a bunch of notes, you, mental notes and verbal notes you make. And um, you can listen to various podcasts. And it, it was a blast. I enjoyed it. Yeah, and, uh, by the way, that Nashville, if nobody that has made that trip, I remember. So there's two different ways you can go around yeah. Nashville. And if you hit the wrong one at the wrong time, you, uh, you're kind of screwed with, well, you're <laughs> with right. that. Yeah. And here's the deal. One of the routes was under construction, and it was like down to one lane. I feel that's other- like probably St. Louis where everything, it's under construction, you know, Yeah, it's, all yeah, the it's time. like the yeah. bridge. It's like the uh, 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 bridge. Yeah, Poplar Street Bridge. Uh, but in this situation, there was a car wreck, and Joe, it was just the the front end. It was I don't I, I'm sure no one survived, um, but they shut down the highway, so everybody was trying to get off, and I was going to get off, and at the last second, I looked up, and they would clean the guys who were cleaning up the mess were picking up the pylons, and I just sat there and waited, and it was just like I had clear sailing highway wise. I was like the first guy that they waved through. And um, I, I tried to make up some time. But, you know, what? I wasn't in a great hurry. I was just trying to get out of St. Louis in time because I knew the weather was going to be uh, not ideal. And from what I understand, I got out just in the nick of time. Yeah. The uh, By the way, I, I do want to point out before we get into everything uh, today, want to point out both of us uh, sporting our new backdrops here. Yes. Uh, We've uh, we got these a few weeks ago, but the last two weeks we have been at uh, various Munganass dealerships. And, and by the way, yeah. can I, I don't want to interrupt you, but courtesy of Munganass Toyota. And by the way, I've got that Highlander. I took Jamie's advice and your advice. I rented one mm-hmm. and I love it. And if you're thinking about renting a car or better yet, buying one Munganass Toyota, Munganass Acura is where you need to start. And I can promise you that'll be your last stop between the selection and the service and just the overall knowledge of the product and Toyota and Acura are very good cars. I mean, you know, they're always up in the top five as far as sales are concerned. But when you go to Munganass Burkhart over in Alton or go to one in on Manchester in, in South County, either one, you're going to have a great time. But I am here courtesy of them. And it was a great rental and it was a great idea on my part. Yeah, the uh, pat myself so you, on the yeah, back. You got uh, the Highlander for that. I, I want you to. You're gonna have to post pictures of that. Send me pictures of what they uh, what they ended up giving you 
for your uh, for your visit down in Florida. I'm actually going to um, go to Munganass Alton Toyota tomorrow, and I'm buying a new car from uh, from them tomorrow. It's time to get rid of the uh, one of the cars that I have. So, and now, I you don't mention, you don't like your wife's cars, no. from what you told. What, you no, just, you don't like the color. You don't like it because so it's much a, about a it wife's like. car. I mean, so it's much not about manly. It, the one, no, the the one, uh, the one we're getting tomorrow will be my car. It's going ah. to be. Yeah, have but you I, shared I, that I, with her? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. She knows. Yeah, All right. yeah just she's aware. Make sure. All so right. the uh, and I'll tell you this. So it's not just Toyotas and Acuras that they have uh, at the what. So don't let the you know Toyota Munganas Toyota name fool you. They have other cars there. In fact, test drove three of them on Saturday, and uh, one was a Toyota, one was a Buick, one was a Ford. So they get the trade ins there, and they're able to uh, they sell those back to you. In fact, uh, my my car right now is a Jeep that I got from Munganas. Alton Toyota. So you go there, you go to their website and you find whatever car you're looking for. Uh, you can search and see if they have it on any of their lots. And then you go to uh, Acura, you go to Toyota and they will give you that car. But uh, I'll, I'll uh, be sure to share once I get my, uh, once I get the new one tomorrow, looking forward to uh, that. Do want to make sure we mentioned again on the backdrops. Thank you to uh, John Marisek yes. at Fast Signs of Bridgeton for, uh, for getting these made and delivered to uh to us claims i i thought we were just going to be getting the regular stand-up banners that you know that you see at a uh, radio <laughs> remote or something like that and i look at the video as the ups driver is dropping it off in my front door and i thought holy shit claims got us the big ones <laughs> hey that's how we roll man this thing is massive man i mean you know this thing almost reaches the ceiling uh, so it's, it, it, we're going to be versatile when we hit the road and we will have some other fun stuff to, that'll be coming up, uh, when the spring rolls around that I'm, I'm looking at. So, uh, we will be well represented, but certainly we want to thank John Marisek and the great job that he had a chance to do. And, uh, uh, I'm happy with his work. So we got a lot to talk about today, man. We, I mean, we uh, do. let's start. So you're in Florida. So let's just start there. Uh, have you had a chance to go to Roger Dean yet? I went by there today and it is a ghost town. They have one security guy, you know, with the Hawaiian shirt and the straw hat. Absolutely. And he's yeah. on the back gate, not the front gate that we normally come in. Okay. He's on that one that nobody it, it was it used to be the media entrance maybe 20 years ago. Um, there were four cars on the parking lot. Maybe five. Uh, it's a ghost town. Now, there have been some players that have been over there and, you know, doing some things. But from what I was told. This is going to be a very this 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 spring training will be much like what we saw when we had to push the pause button during the season where guys would come in in groups and work out, which is going to make it a long day for a lot of people. But that's the only way they're going to be able to do it initially. Uh, the other thing is there's, there won't be any fans. They can come back and watch. Uh, media is going to be restricted at best. Uh, from what I was told last night with regard to access. Uh, so this is going to be a really strange setup. And uh, if not being part of the broadcast team and being rights holders, I'm not sure if, if I'd even be here at this point because there's not a lot going on. Now, that could all change. That could all change. And I think we're, they're trying to just be as fluid as they can be. But um, right now, everybody's kind of doing their own thing. Uh, I was hoping to get up early enough to go over to the gym and see Yachty this morning, but man, I was just worn out. So maybe I can get over there tomorrow morning 
and see him. And, and I'm just glad he got an autograph done, you know, where he's back. And uh, that that's a good thing for the Cardinals. Now, I was going to ask you, you bring up autographs. I know you're talking about his contract that he, yes. that he just signed. But I, I, how are they going to handle? Are they just going to shoo away? Because as, as you and I know, and anybody that maybe has been to the facility knows, autograph seekers will stand outside of that gate and they will no, wait they won't. and wait. Are they going to shoo them away this year? There will not be any autograph situation set up this year. That's uh man, that's going to break some hearts of some uh, well, 30 and 40 year old men. Yeah. But you know what? Here, here's the thing because spring training is so dicey right now. Anyway, uh, I was talking to um, the guy who owns uh, JJ mugs across the street from the ballpark. Uh, yeah. I, I've known him since the day he opened. And, you know, they're they're trying to brace for not having a lot of people because the hotel, you can get a, a spot, the hotel across the street uh, because nobody was booking because there was no certainty on what spring training was going to look like. Not to mention the fact that there's only going to be a limited amount of tickets available. And uh, they're sending out uh, emails to season ticket holders for Roger Dean. They'll have first crack and everything's going to be done online. There will be no cash at the ballpark for anything. Good. That's, I mean, I, I imagine that'll be a step in the direction they'll take things at Bush and Enterprise and most arenas throughout the country over uh, in 2021 and beyond. So it'll be a nice little test run with uh, with limited crowds here at the start of the game. So one of the things that came out, they, they kind of released new rules that we'll have for spring training this year. Uh, Ken Rosenthal and a few others had the story. You had mentioned it and kind of talked about it a little bit that you were hearing rumblings of it happening that we, we don't know what's happening in the cactus league yet. There, there haven't really been anything set forth by the cactus league, but the grapefruit league in Florida came out yesterday and the West coast teams are going to play 28 games. The East coast teams are going to play 24 games with a lot of inner squad matchups uh, to replace the other six games that they're missing and a, a few other rules being mixed in for the start of the baseball season. They're going to try to play 162 games this year, whether it's seven inning double headers or however they're able to get it done. Baseball is is planning to play a full season, much like the uh, the NFL just did. Yeah, they're going to put their foot to the firewall here. And, and there's a couple of reasons why. First of all, uh, there's no collective bargaining agreement after this year. So the players are trying to stack money as much as they can for this year because, you know, right now, Joe, the the, the animosity between the owners and the players is is really at a high pitch right now. And so some think that maybe there won't be a start to next year or maybe even a season because these guys are dug in. And what's unfortunate, neither side has done a good job in letting everyone know wh- what are we fighting over? What's this all about? So that's one thing. The other thing is uh, there's another issue that's come into play where they're going to probably have a lot of night games here in Florida because that way they can limit players access to going to restaurants and doing things at night. Uh, And not that many of them do that anyway, but it's one of those situations they're trying to limit their access and they're going to lock these guys down as much as they can, especially coaches and managers. Those guys are going to be on total lockdown. So it's going to be a change for them. It's also going to be a change for players who normally bring their families down. I don't know how that's going to work. And uh, they're still trying to make this up as they go. So I think with each day, we're going to get a different outcome on what's going to be next or what to look forward to the following day. 
So yeah, they uh, when are when do you expect to see or more and more players start showing up? Do you think that's going to change this at weekend? All? Okay, I think you'll start to see them show up this weekend uh, because I think they need to get acclimated to how this is going to work. Um, you know, I like as I mentioned, Mike Schilt and I, he was driving to Florida the same time I was from North Carolina, and so we talked for maybe a hundred miles uh, about how things might look and just, you know, some ideas and some thoughts about how things are going to be. Uh, and you know, again, it's one of those situations where they're trying to figure it out and do it the best way they can. I think they had some experience obviously from the summer on how they can construct a camp like this, uh, and and be effective. My concern though, Joe is, are the pitchers going to be ready? You know, because this is going to be an area where they're really truly creatures of habit. And if they don't get enough good innings in, then we're we're flirting with some people that might end up getting hurt or getting rocked. And that's something I, I know Mike Schilt and his staff have tried to figure out how to best serve that situation. But, you know, the, I think the experience they had last year is probably going to be beneficial to them having a chance to have a legitimate camp. Uh, that's before anybody tests positive. And, and my concern is this. In this situation, in the state of Arizona and the state of Florida, two states that are kind of burning to the ground because of the infections, I don't know why anyone doesn't think somebody who's one of the with one of these teams or a family member or whatever isn't going to contract it. And if that happens, how do you shut it down? Do you shut down that group of players? Do you shut down that coach? I mean, there are a lot of questions that still don't have an answer. Have they, has MLB talked about vaccinations for the players yet? Or have they? Well, they've made it clear that they didn't want to jump the line. Okay. Um, I know that there's been a a debate about that. Um, And maybe there's a way they can do it, but you'd have to be whole about it. I mean, and I guess the other question is you're going to have some players. I know some, I know there's Major League Baseball is concerned about umpires. There are some umpires who don't want the shot. Okay. So if you have umpires who don't want it, surely you're going to have a couple of players who don't want it. So what do you do with them? And how do you handle that situation? Again, this thing is so, so fluid right now. There's so many questions that just don't have answers. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. But hey, we we have at least we have baseball coming back in the next few weeks. We know games will be started, hopefully around the uh, around both states. And last night, the news came out that, uh, well, one of the worst kept secrets, I think, in Cardinals uh, baseball, that Yadier Molina is coming back for another season. His, uh, is this his 17th season now? Was 2004 the first? The 2004 yeah. was, he was called up. Yeah, 2004. So this would be 17, 18 seasons now for, uh, for Yadi with the, uh, with, as a catcher for the, uh, for the Cardinals. Uh, one year, $9 million deal. And it has uh, so now in the past 12 days, John Mozalek has gone out and he has re-signed Adam Wainwright for one year. He has traded for Nolan Arenado and he has now re-signed, uh, traded Dexter Fowler, which we, we haven't talked about yet, and also uh, re-signed Yadier Molina. So the whole uh, January is the new December. It, it seems He like, wasn't lying about that, was he? It seems like February has been the new December. Yeah as uh, John Mozalek has been very, very busy over the last 12 days. And uh, if the the atmosphere, the fan base here in St. Louis these past 12 days, the excitement for the season 
has shot up so much. I, I think going into this before Wainwright was signed, and I Adam Wainwright's a move that it excites you, but as far as wins and losses and making you competitive in the season. I don't think that moved the needle. I, I don't think no. that greatly moved the needle. It probably adds a couple more wins on the season, but it doesn't take you from middle of the pack to contender. But then when you add that into Nolan Arenado giving up nothing, giving up Austin Gomber and prospects for well, that. Mrs. Gomber would disagree with you on that, and, but anyway. Uh, okay. And then getting rid of Dexter Fowler, the needle jumps even more when you get rid of him and you realize, okay, the, the log jam in the outfield is gone. It's going to, I mean, you're really giving Dylan Carlson 155 games to start this year and no excuse for him not to start 155 if they play 162 on the year. And then you go and you get your catcher, your, your long time, your veteran, your future hall of fame catcher. And it's really gone from, eh, you know what, if I can get tickets, maybe I'll go to the game to they better let me in that damn stadium this year because I can't wait to see this team run away with the NL Central and see how they can compete with the Dodgers and the Padres out West when that time comes. Well, you make a great point. Um, I, I think that this this organization, this team from an exposure standpoint, was was it was pretty dormant. I mean, it was almost on life support. And everybody was kind of like, ah, we're not doing anything. And then the other thing was, the division wasn't doing anything either. It wasn't like in in other situations where, oh, look, you see what the Cubs did today? Or, you know, nobody was doing anything. So you kind of went ho-hum, and then all of a sudden things start to pick up. And obviously the Arnado deal is is the crown to this. But overall, I, I like what they've been able to do. Now, with that said, this team is a little short in a couple of areas. They don't have a left-handed bat. Um, you know, it's going to be in a lineup every day. Uh, Carlson, got, obviously, a switch hitter. Hitters, though. I, you, you, you got Edmund and you got Carlson that are switch yeah, hitters. But so. I'm talking about a guy who's got some real ring experience in that situation. Uh, Carpenter doesn't have a job. And, and here's the other question Who, Who's the backup middle infield? Who's that going to be? Because you I, moved Max Schrock, Max Schrock is gone. Um, the he's one guy, though. he's uh, he's he's uh, he's available. He was released, I thought, by the Cubs. Really, I thought he was released over the Cubs, unless I'm thinking of somebody different that used to be in the uh, in the Cardinals organization. Thought, no, 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 no. I, I, it, it would have been a guy like Schrock or, or somebody else. Okay, I didn't that see I that. I thought one. was just uh, just released. I'm gonna look that up well, real quick. So, here's the other question for you, though. Um, you don't really have any left-handed punch off the bench as far as pinch hitting other than Matt Carpenter. And we don't know what Matt Carpenter is going to look like this year. You know, there's an annual thing with Carp where either he's got a new trainer, he's working with his dad, he's wearing batting gloves, he changed his body, he's gotten stronger. I mean, there's been a different excuse every every winter. And the one excuse we can't avoid is age. And the fact that he's getting older and I don't know what to expect. Hey, I want him to do well. You know, he's a good player, but they're going to need him to do some things differently in 2021 where he's not going to play every day. There, there, there isn't a spot. You know, you may see him play some left field. If if you you might see a platoon situation with him and O'Neill and Lane Thomas 
Uh, and then there's Justin Williams. I mean, you got some I- issues there, but your bench is a little thin right now as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Justin Williams was the name I was going to bring up as far as the left-handed back goes. If you're going to give him that opportunity on the uh, to to be a left-handed bat off the bench and maybe work into that rotation with Bader and with O'Neal in the outfield. But yeah, Chirac was designated for assignment by the Cubs on February 5th. Wow. After they claimed him off of uh, waivers on October 30th. So he uh, he spent about four months in the Cubs farm system and the Cubs organization and probably never, uh, never even got a T-shirt from the team. Well, you know what? Your Cardinals might want to kick the tires on him because, they, you know, you've got the one guy um, from Panama who didn't play this year or last year. He was he and. uh Liberator were the only two guys that you know we we thought we would see, and his name escapes me. He's from Panama. You know what I'm talking about. I'm not sure who you're talking the about. The middle infielder, Sosa. Yeah, Sosa, Mundo Sosa. Okay. Um, you know, I guess he's gonna have to get a look, but there's no real experience as far as coming off the bench. I don't know. Do you want to kick the tires on Brad Miller? I didn't think Brad Miller was very good defensively. And if I'm going to play him, I'm going to put him in situations maybe late in the game sometimes or maybe maybe in a double switch, which brings me to the other question. You touched on something earlier about no DH. So that changes your roster dramatically also. So stupid. It's so stupid to not have the DH again this year. And I saw I saw somebody bring up a good point yesterday on Twitter that as closer and closer we get to the season, it looks like there will not be a DH, a universal DH in both leagues this year. So you're telling me that you have 15 teams in baseball right now that had pitchers not take a swing all of 2020. (laughs) Now, I think pitchers hit probably around 120 on a good day in 2019, somewhere, I mean, well under 200, probably around 150. You're telling me that those pitchers that have not picked up a bat in over a year, maybe some 15 months, are suddenly going to step up to the plate and be anything productive? Don't sit here and tell me that it's all because of strategy and it makes the game better. It's going to be an embarrassment. I agree. When, when when do you think all of Adam Wainwright's training this past year, and maybe that's a bad example for how competitive he is, and in his press conference, he also said that he wants to, you know, have a higher batting average than Bob Gibson when he retires. Uh, <laughs> you know, hey if, that's, hey, if that's one of his goals and it helps the team, if Adam Wainwright hits 210 this year, so be it. But you're okay. I'll use another example. When was the last time you think Miles Michaelis picked up a baseball bat and swung it? Yeah. No, I, Joe, you, you, you're spot on. I mean, I, I think that this has a chance to be a real disaster. Um, First of all, most of them can't hit anyway. And, you know, it, most it, of them it haven't just, hit since high school. Yeah, I agree. And, and maybe they didn't even hit then. So, you know, you don't have enough time in spring training to, to even fix it. You know, I made a suggestion a couple of years ago for guys who, who could hold a bat and knew what to do, what to do with it. When they weren't playing in spring training, I'd have them on the backfields in a B game or in a minor league game getting some swings, seeing some live pitching, you know, working on things. Now the risk is, well, what if he gets hit by a pitch or whatever? And that's that's a possibility. You can get hit by a car crossing the street. But you have to be creative in finding a way to generate an ability to have just a modicum of offense. You know, I'm not asking a guy to hit 250. I'm just asking him to be able to move a runner along. 
Yeah. You know, I, I don't really care. You know, Joe, I, I think it's more important to be able to move a runner along than to be able to actually swing the bat for a pitcher because his chances of moving a runner along are more important than him going up being a free swinger. It's yeah. So we'll, we'll get into all that as spring training goes on. Hey, this is lunch with Claves and Joe powered by Ameren, Illinois, driven by Munganash St. Louis Acura and sponsored by Ryan Kelly, the home loan expert. Find him online at the home loan expert.com. Hey, go to Ameren, Illinois, smartsavers.com because you may qualify for a free smart thermostat a, uh, to help your community save energy. Ameren, Illinois is providing thousands of smart thermostats to customers in select zip codes. If your home qualifies, you'll receive a new smart thermostat, $170 value at no cost to you. Plus, you can install and activate it yourself to earn a $25 e-gift card. It'll help lower your heating and cooling costs, adapt to your schedule and preferences. You can also control it from your phone, tablet, or laptop and track your energy use over time. Have it send you alerts about your energy use. You can start saving today by calling Amron at 866-251-2531 or visiting them online at AmronIllinoisSmartSavers.com to claim your free smart thermostat. That's from our friends at Amron, Illinois. And good luck to them as uh, the inclement weather is obviously going to have an impact on some people in Southern Illinois. Um, and those crews are going to be out working. And the great thing about Amory, Illinois, you can go online and just see what your status is if you do lose power or if you know a loved one has lost power. There, there's a lot of ways to keep track of it. Uh, they know if the power is down, you can you can call them, but they already know. But they'll also be able to update you probably in a more efficient manner than what you know, we've been accustomed to in the past. They were, they're always one step ahead of the posse is trying to give their customers the best service they can provide. Hey, uh, you left very early in the morning yesterday to drive down to Florida. Were you able to stay up for the entire uh, Super Bowl on Sunday? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, um, you and I talked about this earlier, about I didn't know how they were going to block that, that pass rush. Um, you know, when you move, when you lose a left tackle, that's, that's the bigger game changer of the day. And I tweeted out the fact that just because offensive linemen don't have the, the lofty, sexy stats that quarterbacks and receivers and other people have, I got news for you. You don't have a good tackle. You don't have a good offensive line. Uh, it's not going to be a good day for you. And, um, Tampa took real advantage of what Kansas city did. And, and here's the one thing that I, I think needs to be brought up. And, you know, we talk about the comparisons between the Rams and the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, here's the difference. The Chiefs offense sold out on, on Patrick Mahomes being able to do everything. So what I'm saying is they didn't have a blocking tight end. They didn't have a blocking fullback for protection. They sold out. They put that guy in the pattern. They put that guy in the pattern coming out of the backfield. So when you off when your offensive line can't get it done, you don't have a tight end that can chip a guy. You don't have a, a running back that can pick up a blitz. That's the difference between them and the Rams because you had James Hodgins as a fullback. You had Roland Williams as a as a tight end who was able to catch and block. And they gave Kurt Warner the protection he needed along with having Orlando Pace and a pretty good offensive line. And that's the difference. They didn't sell out the principles of offense. They had an established running game. Kansas City never had a real running game. Um, they had flashes of it, but not enough to make Tampa stop and say, well, wait a minute, we better figure out how to stop these guys. 
So overall, you know, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. And I think that's what we saw with Kansas City. And I tip my cap to the Tampa Bay coaching staff uh, on, on all three fronts. I thought they did a remarkable job in game preparation. It's funny, you know, an NFL will never go back. They'll never push it back because I'm sure the work that Dan Campbell has done in his office the past two, three weeks is just instrumental to the success of the Detroit Lions future uh, in the upcoming season. Well, the kneecap biting drills, I'm sure, are going to be fun to watch. I mean, my goodness, the stuff that he has probably already inserted into that team and the the playbook he's given Jared Goff is just going to – you know, send them to the Super Bowl next year. Imagine if the NFL didn't allow the hire of a new head coach until after the Super Bowl. Imagine if right now is when that had to happen. And, you know, you make it an even playing field for everybody. You, you know, that's that's a penalty to firing your coach at the end of the season. You have to wait till the day after the Super Bowl to start making your hires for the next year. Do you think that Eric Bieniemy? Todd Bowles, Byron Leftwich, three black head co- or, uh, coordinators would have better job opportunities this year if that were to happen. I, I think that would contribute to it. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, I, I think the, the wild card here was Leftwich. Um, you know, he was a really good player at Marshall when he was there and uh, had some lower body injuries that kind of cut his career short. But I was talking to someone who knows both Brady and left which and Brady is giddy about actually working with a guy who quarterbacked in the NFL. Now, if you look back and you look at what he worked with in new England, McDaniel was a quarterback in the NFL, but left, which was a big, strong guy who understood the game. And they said they hit it off from the first day and it, they never looked back And Arians basically say, you guys figure it out. If you don't mind, let me know what we're going to do on Sunday and we'll go from there. And it's been an incredible marriage for those two. But I think Leftwich is a guy who's kind of been left out in the cold because he took some guys from different organizations. You think about Antonio Brown, you think about Fournette, you know, you lose O.J. Howard early in the year. Okay, well, we lose O.J. Howard, but we got Gronkowski. Brait was a really good receiver for him as well. You know, I I thought he really put all the pieces together And, and, and Bruce gets credit too. I mean, he's a head coach and he's, he's a pretty creative offensive guy also, but I think overall I was really happy to see how those guys progress. But your point being that there needs to be more of a level playing field is certainly something the league needs to look at. Given the ages of both head coaches in that, uh, in that game, I'm, I would not, it would not surprise me. I mean, we're at Tuesday now, so maybe it would surprise me if either one of them decided to step away. Mm -hmm. And when you look at some of the personal matters that Andy Reid might be dealing with in the upcoming weeks, maybe he decides that it's time for him to move away from the coaching for a while, if not forever. And Bruce Arians, I mean, since he's retired, he's only one coach of the year and now won a Super Bowl since his first retirement. So maybe it's time for him to step aside again. And maybe he just decides, you know what, he wants to go out on top. And maybe those guys get an or one of those three names I mentioned gets an opportunity with their uh, with their team if that happens. But like I said, we're already in Tuesday afternoon. I feel like news like that would have come out already. Well, I, I think you're on to something, though. Um, you think about you can name the guys on one hand in a coach that won his last game. And I go back to Scotty Bowman in hockey when he was in Detroit. 
Uh, it doesn't happen very often. You know, Bruce Arians' mother is at, what, 95? He's had some health issues. And I know it was floated out during the game that maybe he takes a more senior role within the organization. Uh, he's got a very good coaching staff in place, maybe the most diverse coaching staff in sports. Uh, and ironically, his roommate in college was Tiki and Aronde Barber's dad. Uh, and as one person said to me, it was funny yesterday. He said, you know why Bruce Arians gets along with everybody? He said, because he ain't scared of black people. He said he roomed with Tiki and Aronde that is his dad and they're like best buzz and he he's comfortable in his own skin which is why his staff is so diverse uh with andy reed that's a different situation and you you're right he's got some family issues but joe i'm not sure if a guy says i'm stepping away to fix my family i don't know what how do you fix a, some adults at this point i mean this is all he knows is coaching so for him to sit at home and and i don't know what he would do I'm just not sure there's got to be a little bit more of a mechanism that actually creates fulfillment where his family is more put together. But right now that thing's been off the tracks for a while. You know, you may remember this when Kevin Keatsman over in Kansas city talk show host, pretty volatile guy made this same point about Andy Reid and his family during the year, right? In the early part of the year. And he got fired for it. Uh, and this is something that went, that followed him when he was in Philadelphia um, you know, I know in Kansas City, this isn't the first situation that they'd had to deal with, but it was the most public one. And where they go from here, I don't know. Uh, but I think if he's going to walk away, he better have a legitimate foundation put together on what he's going to do other than sit at home and wonder why he's at home instead of coaching because he doesn't know anything else. Tom Brady won his seventh Super Bowl this past Sunday. And now you'll you'll hear the comparisons to Jordan, or you'll hear the comparisons to other great athletes over the uh, over sports over the several decades. And I, you know, when you look at his game that he played this past, he didn't deserve the MVP on Sunday. He 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 didn't even he wasn't the most deserving person on offense <laughs> that that should have gotten the MVP this past Sunday. But he still got it because he's Tom Brady. His name is the one that you recognize the most out of anybody. And to sit there and say that he's on a level with Michael Jordan and he's on a level with all these other greatest of all time, these goats, it's, it takes away from that phrase. It takes away from that, uh, that title that you want to give to people because Tom Brady isn't the greatest quarterback of all time. He's the most successful He's the winning. I mean, when you look at championships, he's the winningest. But there's nothing about it that that screams that he is the greatest of all time. And he's maybe he sets some records because he's going to play till God forty five or later. But it, it just it, it, I think it takes away from that statement. You know, Michael Jordan. You could make an argument that he was the greatest basketball player of all time. I, Tom Brady is not in your top 10 of greatest football players of all time. He's been successful and he's been on a lot of winning teams, but again, not the greatest. That's a very good point you make. Um, I, I agree with you. Most successful. He was on some very good teams. Um, and what I always look at with Tom Brady, he, here's the one thing that I do give him credit for. With the exception of Randy Moss, who probably was a Hall of Famer before he got to New England, is Rob Gronkowski going to be the only guy that Brady played with that's going to go in the Hall of Fame as a Super Bowl champion? Did he have on defense? Did he have anybody that's gone into the Hall of Fame? No, 
No. Uh, and, and that's and so and, and I bring that up only to say it's probably one of those real interesting discussions that has two legitimate sides to it. Um, you, you make a good point. I mean, he's he's successful because he's still playing and he's taking good care of himself and he hasn't been injured very often. Uh, and I think the longevity certainly gives him the credentials that people think he's on why he might be the greatest. I'm not necessarily in that boat. I certainly agree with you. I think he's the most successful. Um, I, I'll disagree with you on Michael Jordan being the greatest. I think Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was the greatest basketball player from when he came out of the womb, and he's got every record to prove it. Um, he may not have been as exciting as Michael Jordan, but Kareem could, could take over a game anytime he wanted to. And he did it at every level. Um, but going back to your original point, I, I've always had a problem in football when we start talking about individuals being the best player, the greatest player. Tom Brady's not the best running back we've ever seen. He's not the best offensive lineman we've ever He might be one of the better quarterbacks. If we want to use that, that's fine. I get that. Um, and he's put up some interesting numbers. And I think here's the other thing, Joe, that probably gives him credibility or probably heightens his situation. With the exception of Randy Moss, could you name three other guys that actually were were just incredible receivers that he threw to? I mean, they were guys that were nice, but none of these guys are going to ever be mentioned in a Hall of Fame conversation. You know, and that's a big difference when you look at a guy like Joe Montana, who had Jerry Rice to throw to. You know, you look at Troy Aikman, who had a guy like Michael Irvin to throw to. I mean, they, these guys were supplied with with good players. Brady didn't have good players around him. They just played together well as a team. And, and there's something to be said for that. Yeah, it's uh, so he. Um, so do you think uh, how, how long, how many more years do you think he plays? As long as his offensive line is healthy, he can play another couple of years at least. I, I mean, he's got a lot of good tools around him. And that's one of the things about Tampa that I was concerned about. Were they going to be able to protect him? And they did for the most part. And if you're the if you're Tampa Bay next year, you probably reinvest in your offensive line. I think you're pretty much covered at the receiver spot. You'll probably bring Leonard Fournette back. Although I, I I feel that one of these guys is going to say, "All right, I want to get paid." Well, we can't pay you because we don't have that kind of money. So and then you see a guy say, "Well, I'm going to go elsewhere," and then you never hear from him again. So it depends on how hungry these guys want to be. But I think I got to reinvest in my offensive line because I think as we we witnessed on Sunday, if you don't have enough good players, you don't have enough of a good chance. Uh, speaking of Hall of Fame, it was announced this weekend, Alan Fanica, Tom Flores, Calvin Johnson, John Lynch, Peyton Manning, Bill Nunn, Drew Pearson, and Charles Woodson is your 2021 Pro Football Hall of Fame uh class they will go in with all of the 2020 inductees and all of the centennial inductees from last year is uh it's going to be a very Pretty big very stage long, yeah, long week. night <laughs> <laughs> they, i think they've already said they are splitting it into multiple nights which you almost have to and i think whatever the uh, hall of fame game was supposed to be in 2020 will again be the Hall of Fame game in 2021. So it's going to be just a very long week of celebrations in Canton in August of this year. Um, the uh, Isaac Bruce, he, uh, he'll he be in there in the Hall of Fame coming up in uh, 2000. I'm going to try and go to that. I, 
Um, I'm just trying to figure out how they're going to do it. You mentioned they're going to try and spread it out. You know, Isaac Bruce is as good of a person as he was player. And, you know, every year we would talk about this is going to be the year. And uh, he was a pro to deal with, you know, when he played in St. Louis and the things that he did off the field. Uh, I owe him that, you know, that, that'd be the last guy I'd probably go to the Hall of Fame for. I, I, I got to say, when you look at who the first time eligible ones are for 2022, Tory Holt has to make it next year, right? I would think so, but you know, he's better got than the, every he's better than every other wide receiver that'll yeah. be up for it this year. He's better than Reggie Wayne, who he's going up against right now. He's better than Anquan Bolden. I'm trying to think. There's another one, or he's better than Andre Johnson. Had better stats yeah. than all of them. So if you if you're gonna say that Calvin Johnson deserves it over him, fine. I get it. That argument can be made. Yeah, I don't agree with it uh, for how early or for how short Calvin Johnson's career was. Whatever. You finally got Drew Pearson in there too. Okay. Torrey Holt is the next wide receiver up right now. I would agree with you. Um, this is, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a big believer. I, I think a lot of Hall of Fame selection process are, are, are flawed. They're all, they're all flawed. And I think in the NFL – uh, to have a guy stand in a room and sell these other voters on your accomplishments. You know, I'm not sure if that always works because I think deal cutting takes place. Uh, I think if I don't like this guy, you know, I'm not going to vote for this guy. I got somebody else I want to vote for. And, and again, I haven't been in the room, but I just don't feel like it's the most efficient way to do it. Uh, but then again, I'm not sure if there's a better way because we've seen what baseball has done. I'm not sure if I like that setup. Um, the NBA or the Basketball Hall of Fame, it's a committee. And they have – Joe, if you ever see that list, man, your head will spin as far as all the people that get nominated and they have oh, to yeah. whittle it down. Uh, so I'm not sure if there's a, a, a proper way to do it. I, I think with this year's class, I didn't have a problem with anybody going in. I thought Darren Woodson has been overlooked. I think Darren Woodson had a better career than John Lynch. Um you know, when you look at the successful teams that he played on, and uh, he was he was an often he was a defensive quarterback, as far as I was concerned, one of the smartest hey, Rod, players. Rod Woodson? No, Darren Woodson, safety for the Dallas Cowboys. Okay, look at his numbers, look at his stats. Uh, but but this is where I think we have a problem with the Hall of Fame. If you are still somewhere in the game, be it in in an organization or in media. You, you have a tendency to move to the head of the class a little sooner than some other guys. And I'm not sure if I like that pro- approach. And when you look at the, the guys that are on – I'll give you – here's a good example. Jimmy Johnson went in before Tom Flores. You know why? Because Jimmy Johnson was on 17 Sundays every year. Tom Flores, we just started to see him doing beer commercials. Mm-hmm. And Tom Flores had much less to work with with regard to Hall of Famers and things of that nature than Jimmy did. And I'm not taking anything away from Jimmy, but I thought Tom Flores, if Tom Flores been more in the limelight, he would, been a, he would have been in the Hall of Fame. And now it seems like there's a race to hire guys on these sets, these network sets, the guys that they think are going to eventually be Hall of Famers. Uh, and it's good, for the, it's good for the business, so to say. And I don't necessarily agree with that. Well, uh, are you talking, are you um, chatting with Alex Ferrario at all this week? Uh, we hope to do it this week, yes, probably tomorrow. Thursday at the latest because blues uh blues have already played four in a row against the against the coyotes they've lost the last three they have two more scheduled coming up 
possibly a third. So there is a possibility they will play the Coyotes for seven straight games. Well, and they're also going to open up the season next year with with Arizona, if I'm not mistaken. I'm just kidding. I mean, <laughs> I've seen enough of them for a while, but I, I, I think it's unfortunate. But I give the NHL credit for trying to be as creative as they can. And this is where baseball doesn't uh, have that situation uh, because, you know, you've got some off days in between. You can move some things around. Although I think baseball might want to think about expanding the schedule with regard to if you get a couple of teams to go down, you might have to rearrange some things. Right. Um, And I think that's the route to go right now. I think it's working so far in the NFL. I mean, in the NBA. Uh, I think we'll see them do a little bit more of it. Certainly, we, we've seen it in the NHL. And, you know, we, we, we're all dealing with something we're not used to. And some people push back harder than others. But, you know, it beats sitting at home doing nothing at this point. Once you make the commitment, with the commitment, you have to understand that you have to be flexible. And if you're not, then too bad. You, you should stay home. I want to. Uh, we'll we'll end here. I wanted to make sure you had uh, as no, as much time as you uh, as you wanted with all three of these men that I'm about to mention that we've lost this uh, this past week. I'll start with this morning. Legendary coach Marty Schottenheimer passed away at the age of 77. He's been battling Alzheimer's for the last six or seven years now, and was placed in hospice last week. So not a uh, not a surprise, but still a, a loss to the football community. Yeah, you're right. And, and, you know, Marty was a he was a tough guy. You know, he was a decent player when he played, uh, had some good runs in the coaching business, um, was probably they held his feet to the fire because allegedly he couldn't win the big one. But he was always in the big one. OK, uh, you know, he just ran into some tough luck when he was in Cleveland, um, you know, and he did a great job in Kansas City. He kind of helped put Kansas City back on the map as far as football was concerned. Uh, and he was a really good defensive coach, uh, very conservative offensively, but uh, a real contributor to the game. And, you know, he's got a pretty high win total there as well. I would not be surprised to see Marty Schottenheimer find him find his name on a Hall of Fame list down the road. Uh, also, locally, Leon Spinks uh, passed away this past week, the uh, the longtime championship boxer. Yeah, you know, I'll never forget Leon Spinks when he won the 76 Olympics. And um, that's when he got started with his career. He was in the Marine Corps. He, he boxed in the Marine Corps, won in 76, won in 77 uh, against Muhammad Ali. And I believe the anniversary of that fight is next week uh, when he won and, and he shocked the world. Uh, had some run-ins, nothing of the serious nature, but he was a guy that was kind of like more of the butt end of jokes. But if you ever had a chance to be around him, uh, when he was all there and he had some, some issues, uh, one of the nicest people you'd ever know. And, uh, he did a lot of things, um, to try and promote boxing in St. Louis. He and Michael together didn't handle his money as well as Michael did, but certainly he helped put St. Louis back on the map when it came to boxing. And, uh, there's one thing they can never take away from. He was a champion and that's something that a lot of people never have a chance to absorb, but he did. And then uh, late Sunday night, around the time the, uh, the Super Bowl was ending, news broke of Pedro Gomez, a long-time ESPN reporter, passing away unexpectedly. Uh, I know that's a, a guy that you had uh, you you had many run-ins with him over the years at spring trainings and throughout the season when he covered Cardinal games. And I, I know that uh, you you and him were very close. 
Yeah, you know, Pedro and I go back to the days when he was a writer. I knew him before he was uh, when he went to ESPN and we just hit it off. And he, he was a great friend. We stay in touch. And you, you're right. When the Cardinals were in their heyday of postseason, he would come to St. Louis and he and I, I had a couple of spots I'd take him to and he would just have the time of his life. And we had a, a standing meeting every year for the winter meetings where we would go to dinner with some other people. Uh, one of the nicest people you would ever meet. Very professional. You have to remember, Joe, he had to cover Barry Bonds when Barry Bonds was one of the biggest assholes in, in the history of sports. And he handled that like a pro. I'll never forget when uh, King Felix threw a no hitter and he interviewed him in Spanish, which was something that you never saw take place. But he was comfortable in making sure that King Felix was comfortable in his conversation. Uh, he was a trailblazer. He's a wonderful person. Uh, his, his, his son is in the Boston Red Sox organization, and I, I hope things work out for him. But, man, that, that's one guy that we're all going to miss. I only, uh, I only had a chance to speak with him one time. It was the 2015 playoffs and uh, Cubs and Cardinals. And this is when media like me, we had to sit in the, uh, you know, the left field. Mm-hmm. The auxiliary. The auxiliary there. Box. Yeah, the yeah. auxiliary. And there's, hey, I was there in 82, man. I know what it's like. <laughs> Trust me. And there's Pedro Gomez sitting up there. And I'm thinking, hey, this is this is Pedro Gomez. He's from ESPN. He should be sitting in the, you know, in the shit press box that's uh, there at Wrigley with, uh, you know, with guys like Claves and. Uh, he he just he was a really nice guy um, talking to him during the uh, during the game up there, but a uh, man, it's going to be uh, you know it, when you saw him, you you know he he was ESPN baseball, and uh, yeah. anytime you saw him, you knew that it was. And yeah, I think the initial memory that everybody has is him covering Barry Bonds in that uh, season of '73. Yeah, um, man, we just losing so many good people. And, I, you know, obviously it's not going to stop. But, man, I, I think the Pedro one really kind of stung me because uh, when I got the news and, and it was an aneurysm. And, you know, if anybody knows anything about aneurysms, either you make it or you don't. And, you you know, it, it's it's just your time. And th- there's one guy that I'd do anything to have back for one more game. Uh, just it's, that was tough. Um, as we wrap up today's show, we uh, we we. We know you're down in Jupiter. What, uh, I guess, what are your plans or do you even know what kind of plans you have as far as what you're going to be allowed to do this first week? No, I am here uh, in preparation for whatever it's called for. Obviously, we're going to do some games here. uh, But as far as anything else, uh, I've been told initially, don't expect to do anything uh, other than the Zoom calls. Um, They may have us on the field to watch practice from a distance. But right now, um, it, it's 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 shut down, and you know we're just gonna have to kind of keep our fingers crossed on whether this thing kind of grows a little bit. The the the, the one thing that I, I'm concerned about is the blame game that will start between players and owners, and they'll tell the media, "Well, you know, the players wanted this. You know, the players told us this. They didn't want you guys around." And then you know the, the owners, the, the players are gonna say, "Well, no, the, the owners want it." So we're gonna hear that for a while. Uh, but it's going to be very interesting. I mean, I've covered a lot of these. This will be the most unique one I've ever been part of because I don't know what to expect. Uh, I'll be over there when, when I'm allowed to. I'm not going to trespass or get myself in a situation where I, I won't have any access, but we're just going to have to wait and see. But I, I kind of think those days where we would all sit out on the patio 
uh, on the benches or picnic tables, uh, I don't, that's not going to happen this year. Uh, right. There won't be any one-on-ones or any sit-downs of that nature initially. Frank doesn't uh, have to steal a stool from somewhere no, in the building exactly. and bring it out. Yeah, I've made some suggestions uh, on how it could be a little bit more flexible and safe. I don't know whether they're going to take my suggestion or not, um, but we'll see what happens. So, but if anything happens, um, we'll we'll have it up here on the website. I got to ask before we get out of here. I've had two people text me uh, during the uh, during the show today and ask why Klaibs looks different today. When was the last time you've had a clean shaven face? Oh, it was a few years ago. I do it every five <laughs> eight years. Um, I just didn't have anything. I was bored the other day. <laughs> And I just said, and so I got the green light from my significant and she was like, whoa, you know, I said, I'm going to grow it back. Don't worry. You know? So, uh, yeah, this, this is gosh, you know what, Joe, I bet it's been about eight years. Yeah. I've, I've so had- now I'm going to tell you the story about how I even grew a beard. No. So you remember when the blues hired Mike Keenan, right? And I just I knew we were going to Stanley no. Cup. It was like mid-90s. Okay. And I just said, oh, we're going to Stanley Cup. So I'm going to grow my playoff beard. So I, I grew a beard, and there was no Stanley Cup. Michael Wilbon, who you know, or you know of, had also grown a beard. And uh, somebody thought he was me and thought I was him. And we laughed about it. And I said, all right, look, one of us is going to have to go to goatee route here, man, just to create some difference. So he went to goatee route. I went to beard route. And here's the story. All right. <laughs> yeah. So, and gosh, yeah, God, you know, yeah, I was like, that's yeah, be- mid nineties. You know that's better than my beard story, which is I got to wear a mask all year and grow it in under a mask. So that's, uh, that's the whole reason of this. And I've said, uh, I've said the day that I get to go back and cover something in person is the day that I'm taking everything off. Yeah, so that's, I hear you. That's, yeah. that's mine. The day that well, I hopefully it'll be sooner than later. Yeah, it's like Alex Ferrario. The credential. You know, Ferrario's running around looking like uh, Chris Thorburn from the Blues from a few years ago. He's got a beard down to here, but he said it's coming off when his baby's born. I know, which means we're going to have to change the graphic for the yeah, uh, Mario face-off I know. for that. So I know. it's just adding more work to the uh, to the graphics team here at ClabesOnline.com. Uh, hey, a so, couple, couple yeah. of things I want to remind everybody about. A, go on, on the site tomorrow. We've got a great feature that we're going to do on with Judge Annette Eckert from St. Clair County about teen court and what they're doing. Uh, it's a partnership with Ameren, Illinois, that I really think is cool and what they're trying to do to help young people. So we've got that coming up tomorrow. Uh, I guess we can announce that Dr. Rick Lehman is going to have a, a regular podcast here on clavesonline.com. We're going to be dropping some, some episodes here fairly soon. He's got a new book out that we're going to be talking about as well. And Keith Costas is going to be joining us here soon. And he's going to be one of our baseball guys. And, uh, you know, Keith has really carved out a really good career for himself. And I'm looking forward to having a chance to visit with him on a regular basis and him sharing what he knows in New York. And and he's on the inside and we'll find out how that works as well. And we're going to have Rammer. You know how Rammer is about lineups. So we're going to have Rammer start to do some lineups from time to time as well with regard to uh, the Cardinal baseball. And, of course, we'll talk with Rammer, I believe it's tomorrow or Thursday, 
uh, talk some Billiken basketball because we haven't had many games to talk about. So we'll have a chance to chat with him. So we got a lot of stuff going on this week and certainly going into hopefully a spring training where we'll have some access and be able to talk to some people. Again, we're, we're going to kind of hold each other's hands on this and figure out where we go from here. But each day is going to be different for sure. Yeah, lots of uh, lots of plans in the work for what we'll be able to do for spring training. And unfortunately, none of it is up to us. <laughs> no, none of it. And um, we got one other surprise. I got to talk to him this week. And we're going to do something that I think people will have a good time with uh, on the website. So I'll just let it go at that. And uh, we're going to have some fun things coming up here in the next few weeks. All right. Uh, content, new content each and every day up on ClabesOnline.com. Also, wherever you get your podcast. Whether By the way, I- what do you what do you have lined up for the weekend? Uh, I know I'm going to talk to my friend Matt Snyder of CBSSports.com. We'll talk some baseball with him and looking around for a, a second guest for the uh, for the show this week that Andy and I will put out on Friday, the uh, return of weekend. Joe didn't do one last week because I had 12 interviews from our virtual radio row. By the way, outstanding job with all the radio row guests. Yeah, they were, uh, uh, I really got a kick out of that, seeing some of those people. And uh, I hope everybody else enjoyed it as much as I did. And I'm telling you what, going live with the video the way we did uh, gave me a lot of ideas for what we can do in the future whenever we're broadcasting on a remote site like that and just going live on the website. Uh, I'll tell you what, I mean, the stuff that we have learned in 2020 as far as how to put out a website, a podcast, and do all of the uh, the video audio together has uh, has really sparked some ideas and I think has changed the way that we'll be able to uh, to broadcast a lot of this in the future. So I just, the fact that I'm able to click, you know, go live and we're able to put it up on three different websites at once is, uh, is, is pretty cool. So yeah. Good enough. Yeah. So uh, that'll, that's my Claiborne. I'm Joe Roderick. This has been another episode of lunch with Claves and Joe powered by Amron, Illinois, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura and sponsored by Ryan Kelly, the home loan expert. Find him online at the home loan We will talk to you next week.